Hi, and welcome to Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. Please join us as we explore how you can enjoy a happier life and a fulfilling career, things that aren't always that easy in our modern world. We'll be taking a look to how you can explore well-being both inside and outside the workplace, how to prevent burnout, how to achieve true happiness in work and life, and so much more. So stick around. everybody and welcome to Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. We are today going to talk about, it's kind of one of my favorite subjects at the moment, it's all about prioritization. That's a fun word to say. Um, so one of the things I think Jenny both you and I have seen is obviously we have these worldwide um, levels of stress and burnout. Um, And in our happiness work, I think a lot of the initiatives aren't as successful, perhaps, as they could be, because when you have people in this um, poor mental health state, if they are below that kind of okay bit, um, then they need help. You know, the answer to burnout and stress is not yoga or self-care, or any of those things, you know, we need to solve the problem that that got them there in the first place. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is, this is one of the biggest issues, I think that the modern workplace needs to get its head around. Yeah, because there's this big drive towards, well, we've got to get employee health and well-being right. And that's good, because you want them to get employee health and well-being right. And we really need to reimagine how we're going to make mental well-being normal in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, unless we address what is causing people difficulty, as in the amount of work they're expected to get through, the amount of hours they are encouraged okay. to put in, um, and you know, unrealistic deadlines, etc., 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 etc. It's never going to happen. We have got to help people to understand what they could be doing differently to get a better outcome. And so much of it comes back down to what we're talking about today: prioritizing. Yeah. Who would figure? Mm. I know it's crazy. Well, interestingly, I think all the science figures. <laughs> So I guess one of the things I want to talk about is, you know, how we got here in the first place. Um, And I think that we have had the last, what, 20, 30 years about um, being more productive. We've had more technology to support us in our jobs. Um, And we've been chasing employee engagement. So to me, these are kind of all the pieces um, that fit into there, right? And so... We know that engaged employees are more productive, right? And we know that technology is making us be able to do more, right? And we have been going under this banner of do more with less. I mean, that is (laughs) exactly. (laughs) So we are in what Joachim Menges describes as the acceleration trap, right? So Mm. your most engaged employees are your most productive. 
And when they get more done, what do you do, Jenny? You give them more stuff to do. You give them more stuff. (laughs) And then they get more work done. And then they have more space. And then you give them more. So whilst you have high stress being the cause of burnout, right? Um, Highly engaged, stressed employees are at the highest risk of burnout. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and this is critical for me. Um, and this is not the individual's problem. No, but they're often blamed as if it's Absolutely. something that they have done that I'm has sorry. led them to burn out and not be able to, you know, be in the workplace for, for a little while. And I find it bizarre that <laughs> if you if you provide an environment which is actually designed to make people sick, why should you be surprised when that happens? Right? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Well, and, and globally, workload is the number one reason yes. for burnout, right? Yes. So prioritization is kind of part of the antidote to, for me to this, this burnout epidemic, this, this hmm. really crazy hmm. world that we're living in. Hmm. Um, and it's, oh, it's this idea of getting more done, getting more done, getting more done, doing more with less, keeping on going. And I think when we spoke about resilience, we talked about this idea of resilience and uh, efficiency being on either Mm -hmm. ends of the same spectrum, right? So taking back this idea of being less efficient to build more resiliency. Um, So so I'd like to ask you, Sarah, who is this Professor Jochen Mingus that you mentioned? He is a professor. Um, he is at Judge Business School here in Cambridge, where I am, um, but also the University of Zurich. And he's done some great work over the years. And he, I think he designed the, the term, the acceleration trap, as far back as 2018. So this is not a pandemic issue. Uh, and burnout isn't, actually. I think a lot of people are saying right. this was always here. It's just exacerbated. Exactly. Um, so he's got a fantastic couple of TED Talks. He's got some brilliant articles. Uh, I definitely recommend you you follow him. Um, um, but uh, he is, I think, you know, when he spoke about this um, at a conference I saw him at in 2019, it was this kind of ah, oh, one of those wonderful aha moments of this is why we're not moving the needle forwards because we need to fix. It's kind of this before happiness space. Um, uh, same as kind of our mental health if we're if we don't help people out of burnout, then none of the initiatives we are working on are going to help. Um, you know, some of the comments from from Jennifer Moss's book, The Burnout Epidemic, talks about um, being offered yoga and uh, mindfulness, etc., at work, uh, where people are so overloaded they are not able to. They're going. If I have a spare fifteen minutes, I'm going to get a sandwich. Or go to the bathroom. We're not going to do mindfulness and right. all of these things. So we're talking a lot about burnout, but for me, the critical piece about curing this problem is about orga- uh, organizational prioritization. Organizations want to be doing everything. They're not saying no to everything. They are not um, saying, okay, if we do this project, then we need to hire twenty percent more people. I've never heard that before. <laughs> I think it's about recognizing that everything we say yes to has a cost 
Absolutely. And a human Um, cost, right? And that's a human cost, especially because, you know, you take on more work because you believe it's going to generate something, income or a project that could be sold or whatever. So the the premise is you do more, you build more because that's how you grow. Forgetting Mm -hmm. that the people operating in this system are human. And we have quite clearly defined boundaries of what enables us to be optimized for how well we can do things and pushing on relentlessly because that's that's how you succeed it's wrong it's Mm -hmm. it's when I hear employees saying that you know the 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 expectation is still that people are required to do the extra, to always step up, to always work late, to take work home on the weekends, I think it's morally corrupt. Yeah, and I think absolutely. that, you know, if they were held to account for the very real damage they do to people physically oh and gosh. mentally, it would be a very different story. I kind of can't wait for the for- first, and this, this sounds horrible, so obviously I don't want it to happen, <laughs> but I can't wait for the first corporate manslaughter charge because someone died from stress and overwork. Mm. because I feel like, will it, I hope it doesn't, but I really feel like that might be what it takes for organizations to stop doing more with less. And I want to start coining this phrase. So I think maybe I've said it before, Jenny, but if not, I'm, I'm going on, this is my first public. I would like us to start talking about doing less with more. And you'll hear a lot more about that from me. In the coming months, but this is what we need to do because this is, as Yoffa Mangus calls it, perpetual loading. So there's no end in sight. And people can work really hard. They can overwork. They can do that for short periods of time. We've all had to do it, you know, pull your socks up, all those kinds of things. We can um, do that. That's, that's not the that. issue. We are designed to do this, but not forever. But no, that's right. <laughs> and And we only need to go back to the well-used analogy, but it's still so valid you know if you are a corporate athlete or not a corporate athlete just an athlete a professional athlete yeah you know that to run your race you do the training you step up and do the hard yards but you always make sure that you don't push yourself too hard because otherwise you're going to end up injured yep or um you're going to be overtrained Yep. And you don't run at your best. So you're not optimized, right? You're not optimized, optimized. for the, the thing that you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. So prioritization, right? We've talked about like what happens when we don't prioritize and it's kind of yes. the work, the world of work we're living in. So how do organizations prioritize, Jenny? How do you, how do you suggest organizations do this? Well, I think you've probably got the answers to this more than I do. <laughs> well, I'd love to hear your suggestions, uh, but and I have some. I have some examples. I think. I think the first thing is that um, an organisation basically has to give permission for people to prioritise their work, mm-hmm. as well it. as talk about. Okay, well, you've got team A, B, and C working on project X, Y, and Z. Has a timeline been effectively mapped out that's realistic that people can handle? Because Mm. what I have seen too often is that um, you've got your dream teams 
doing really well there, high functioning, wonderful people, A players, etc., really etc. Et yep, yeah. And uh, the bosses say, "Oh, this is marvelous. Well, there's this opportunity here. Let's add in another project and another project and another project." <laughs> yeah. Without asking, well, how much longer do you need to finish? the first project you're doing, let alone ones that you've already got banked up coming behind. It it, it, it comes down to just communicating with each other um, at a human-to-human level to see what is actually possible. And, I mean, I don't think anybody deliberately tries to sort of say, oh, no, I couldn't possibly do that because, you know, I just don't feel like doing it. If you've got a high-functioning team, people are motivated, they really want to do a great job, yeah. um, and so they will try to do what you ask. So it's really important, I think, for the organisation to recognise when is enough. Mm. Because if you if you truly value success for your business, it means you've got to value the success of your individual employees and the only way you can guarantee that is by ensuring that you don't wear them out in the process we call it the daily grind why do we call work the daily grind (laughs) yeah Yeah. a little challenge is good this is movement this is growth those are good too much and again like you said like an athlete you hurt yourself you stretch things you break things I think as individuals, we're not bad at prioritizing. I mean, I'm sure you prioritize things in your world. And I know that for me, prioritization is really imperative because I've got a number of different events coming up in my calendar. Mm -hmm. And so I've planned it out well into the future about how much time I can afford to spend on each bit. Otherwise, it all falls over in a big heap. So I think as individuals, we're not too bad um, but I do think there's room for improvement from the organizational level. And this is where I would like to know from you what you have learned from <laughs> yeah. and other people. And other people. Yeah, definitely. So I would totally agree with you. I mean, it, it does. And it starts at the top, right? And I think there's a, there's a piece for me around, um, does it make the boat go faster? Essentially, <laughs> do you have your fundamental question in your organization, right? Do you know what your priorities are as an organization. And you can review these. They don't have to be your forever question. They could be a 30-day question, a 90-day question. It could be, this is our focus for the year, however you want to do it. But having a real clear direction, because some one of the things you said is about explicit instructions. Because you have high performing people. People want to come to work. They want to do a good job. We know all these things. Um, But as a leader, it's our job to create the environment. Uh, As an organization, it's our job to create the environment where people thrive. And if we haven't set the the clear direction, um, then we don't know how to prioritize. So there's a piece around um, there's this, it's fun. Your, it's called your fundamental purpose question. Um, and uh, it was the, the, uh, British rowing team, um, were trying to, you know, get a, get a medal basically. And so they decided that every time something came to them, they had to answer the question, does it make the boat go faster? And if the answer was no, they didn't do it. So there was one point where they were asked to carry out the flag for the opening ceremonies. And I can't remember for which games it was. And when they said, does it make the boat go faster? The answer was no. 
And they upset a lot of people. Saying, I can can they upset people. Yeah, yeah. But they had this really clear imperative, this explicit question mm-hmm. they could answer. Yes, no, for when things came to them. Now, sometimes in an organization, it's not quite that easy. But actually, sometimes it can be. So what is your purpose? What's your goal? What are you trying to achieve? Then you need to decide what are the projects you're going to do. Do you have the resources to do those projects? So not, are they sexy? Are they nice? Are they shiny? Do they look good? Will they make you money? Not any of those questions, right? We want to do these projects. Do we have the resources to do them? Time, money, people, expertise, whatever it is that you need. Assign those priorities. Give yourselves kind of, this is ABC then clearly, clearly, clearly explain to everybody. And all you have to do at the top is do that. When you set those, everyone below you knows what their priority is. So their question becomes, does this help us achieve our goals? What are our goals? These are our goals. If the answer is no, don't do it. We all wanna do all the fun, shiny, exciting, sexy things, (laughs) but we don't do them. And so from an organization, once you've done that, then you can start looking at getting rid of unnecessary work. Um, So what's the work you're doing that doesn't lead to those things? Um, Running, what's the work you're currently doing and prioritizing that? So again, as you said, as, as individuals, once we have this kind of, we know where we're aiming for, then it's easy for us to prioritize If you have, which has happened to me multiple times, a team which has priorities from this leader, priorities from this leader, priorities from this leader, priorities from this, they're all being told these are A priorities. One team, (laughs) five A priorities. Mm. That doesn't work. If you have more than one A priority, you have to reprioritize. And at this point, this needs to go back up the chain. So people are being asked to prioritize when it's the upstream that needs clarity. Yes. Yeah. Um, Such an important point. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because when you think about it, so many people are are members of teams these days. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you're working across a number of different teams. So So you've got directions coming from different (laughs) points. Absolutely. You know, unless there's sort of good communication set up where people can say, well, all right, this is priority A, this is priority A, and this is priority A. Which of these priority A's is, is the most priority A? Priority a? <laughs> because if you're ever in this conversation, there should, as an organization, there should only be one priority A. So if you have more than one, you have to run your prioritization again. Love it, love it. And this is, again, it's like that kind of self-care is not the answer. Asking people to prioritize their work better isn't the answer until you upstream and the organization has done their job properly. Um, Now, if you want to do more stuff, you can do things like asking employees what should be stopped. That's a great way to, because usually as a leader or as the top of the organization, you shouldn't really know all of those small details. You need to be connected, but you don't need to know all those details. That's what you have have employees and, and colleagues for. But they know what you, they know what's a waste of time. They know what they should stop doing, or they know what's getting in their way. So 
How can you simplify things? How can you stop red tape? How can, what's, what's something that people are doing over and over and over again, multiply that out towards your organization that they can stop doing? Um, or how can they push autonomy down so that people, you know, fewer people need to be involved in decision-making. So it just gets done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, so once you've set priorities, you've communicated them clearly, um, you've given people explicit instructions, um, you've given people explicit permission to say no to things, to shelve products or services or projects that aren't working. You know, look at Ben and Jerry's. They have the, they have the um, flavor graveyard, don't they? <laughs> this is right. <laughs> they go and celebrate all their big flavors. Celebrate, yeah. Work. And sometimes, <laughs> guess what? Like, don't throw good money after bad. Don't throw good people. Exactly. At, exactly. You don't always have to finish a project just because you started it, right? So that, give and that's people a big one too. That's huge, a huge one because huge. you know the sunk cost fallacy. Oh, we've yeah. started it, so we've got to complete it, even though this is a complete waste of time. We know it's rubbish. And yeah. yet people can't let go unless you've got somebody at the top who has got the ability to recognize that this isn't working, mm -hmm. we don't need it. Mm -hmm. And I think the 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 best leaders in this space are the leaders that go for the pulse walk or they check the pulse of yeah. how people are going. They're doing, yeah. By, and simply doing what you've just said, you know, check in and ask mm -hmm. how are things going. Is this working for you? Yeah. Um, is this working for us? You know, like, is it working for us as, as a team yeah. or as an organization? Yeah. Well, have you got any ideas of, of what else could help yeah. here or, you know, what challenges are you facing? It, it, it just opens up the conversation and that helps to provide clarity because unless the person at the top knows all those things that are going on below, they are blind. Absolutely. And, and there's nothing worse than a blind leader who can't see yeah. that their employees are putting in everything they've got and getting probably frustrated and tired and everything else because they know that there's stuff getting in their way of yeah. doing great work. And, right. you know. That's such a disservice to everybody, isn't it? And it's this, you know, if you if you inverse that, right, if your job as a leader is to remove the barrier. So once you set that clear direction, then you inverse the triangle and you as a leader, your job is to remove the barriers and tell people, you know, get them to check in with you. Prioritization. If they come to you and they say, right, I've got three A priorities. Well, that is your priority to, to sort that out. Um, yeah. And then once you have that, I think from an individual perspective, only then is it easy for us to prioritize. Um, yes, and I really yes. like the um, Eisenhower matrix as a personal prioritization thing, because I'm not nearly as good at you, Jenny. I quite often can just whatever is pinging first or whatever is yelling the loudest or whichever WhatsApp has come in, you know, soonest. Uh, I can definitely get ooh, distracted and dope my little dopamine hit of dings. <laughs> um, so the Eisenhower matrix is quite a useful tool, I find, for personal prioritization. Um, but it's again, until the organization takes responsibility. Um, and also, I think there's a, a global one. Well, I'm, I'm going to get on my horse now. <laughs> I think until the, like the kind of global workforce 
um, takes a good hard look in the mirror to understand this constant chase for more, 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 more profit, more this, more that. And just like I said, do less with more. The number of organizations who have had headcount cuts, headcount freezes, um, people leave who were not replaced. And it's frightening, isn't it? It's quite it's frightening. Like it's, a Jeng- it's a Jenga tower. and mm-hmm. But the workload and the profits up and up and up and up and up. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. sorry. If you're making billions of dollars in uh your shareholders should be asking how are your how's your employee well-being right this is i just i could talk about this all day i'm a little passionate about it (laughs) we need to be prioritizing choose what you're going to do um revisit it yeah check in it might not be working in three months time allow people to help you um and then give them the tools to prioritize their workloads themselves Mm -hmm. and i would say Hire twenty percent more staff than you think you need. This is this is something that I'm working on. Now. Oh, that's yep. a radical thought, Sarah. I know, I know. But yeah, we've gone like so it. far. We've gone so <laughs> far down the efficiency route. Yeah. People think that the workload is doable by the number of people they currently have, and I would challenge that in pretty much any organization I've been in. I, would I don't know about you. What's would you? Is that what you see, Jenny? It is what I see entirely. Yeah. And, and another thing, um, for those of our listeners who are not familiar with the um, Eisenhower uh, matrix, yes. can you just briefly explain it for us, please? I can. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pull up my notes so I so I don't get it wrong. <laughs> Gotta get it right. <laughs> yeah. So we have things that come into us which are urgent, important not urgent and not important. So if you make yourself a a little quadrant, you know, a matrix, yeah? And you need to be looking and placing them in one of those quadrants. So if it is urgent and important, that's what you should do now. If it is urgent and not important, you can say, right? Who else can do it? So it's something that needs to be done. doesn't need to be done by you. If it is important, but not urgent, you can schedule it for later. And if it's not urgent and not important, just delete it, get rid of it. (laughs) Get rid of it. (laughs) However, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people looking at this saying that we're doing a lot of the not urgent, not important tasks because they ping the loudest or they ping first or they have the most, you know, whatever it is, you know, flashy lights, yeah. most senior person yeah. asking for it, et cetera, et cetera. So, however, if you look at that, that's personal prioritization. If you don't, if you aren't clear on your organizational purpose or your organizational priorities, you can't do this. So again, telling people to prioritize when your organization hasn't prioritized doesn't work. Doesn't work. And I think the other thing we have to remember is that when people are in that state of perpetual overwork and overwhelm and you can't think about anything, your brain has switched into survival mode. It's absolutely treating and it's treating everything as if everything is urgent and important because you can't 
Such a great point, Jenny. Thank them. you. So um, if you find yourself in that state, then fundamentally somebody needs to help you to remove yourself from all this overwhelm before something more drastic happens and and work with somebody to to sort out the wheat from the chaff because as soon as you can get that prioritization happening then the stress automatically goes down and then you can regain that mental clarity you need to know what you need to be doing next um I was gonna say that's a whole new episode I would like to I would like to explore. <laughs> it's almost like organizational mental health. Because think about those organizations. I've seen them, you've seen them, I've been in them. The organizations are operating in that space. The way you've just described an individual being unable to yeah. function. Oh, right. Sorry. Let me park that there, but I just wanted to pick up on that. Mm. Well, I have to do that next time. What do you maybe. say? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> So prioritization is is such an important thing. And I think in this conversation, what hopefully we've outlined is that organizational success and organizational health Mm. really requires people, um, whether they're in a leadership role or, you know, working to, to be able to feed into what the um, priorities need to be. Mm -hmm. so that you can get really clear and then work much more effectively. Mm -hmm. And one other thing, just you mentioned mindfulness earlier. You know, people will say, oh, you're burning out. Oh, you better go and do some mindfulness. And, oh, we're all going to start the day with 15 minutes mindfulness. Let's do it. Forgetting that mindfulness can be a very useful tool it's I love it. Don't get me wrong. In, if you're in the right headspace to be able to calm yourself down to actually be more present yeah. and engaged and then energized, you get benefit from it. However, if you are in this state of flux where it's all going, <laughs> trying to do mindfulness is going to make you feel worse. Absolutely. And uh, I remember my meditation teacher telling me, this is a little while ago now, but he said he's actually seen people become acutely psychotic, um, very mentally unwell from trying to attempt to be mindful when they're clearly not in the right headspace to do so. So I think organisations also have to take a little bit of responsibility just because something is a bit trendy or and has been demonstrated to be enormously helpful for so many people. It's not a one size fits all. And you have to know who your people are and what's best for them. Mm-hmm. And the other point I just want to finish up with is that we're living in this world where transformation in the workplace is taking place. It's a very exciting mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. We're seeing a lot of digital innovation, a lot of yep artificial intelligence, la, la, la. And we're also recognising that the importance of human skills Mm -hmm. is paramount Mm -hmm. at this time. One interesting point that I read about today, actually, was the fact that automation at the managerial level is actually hopefully going to free up the manager to have more time to spend with members of their team division or whoever they're overseeing. Mm. And I'm thinking, well, that's going to be a massive positive because I think 
up until now, managers have been the meat and the sandwich where, you know, they've got directions coming from above. They've got people underneath saying, help, 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 what do I do? And they're running ragged because they haven't got the time to do things themselves. So hopefully, fingers crossed, I'm crossing my toes as well. All of of the crosses. (laughs) If we could get to a place where the introduction of further automation then frees people up to be available to have the right conversations, to check in with, you know, have you got resources? How are you going with prioritizing your staff? And this is what, you know, the leadership team is seeing, blah, 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 and work through it. Then I see that we will have a huge surge in people's ability to, to regulate how they do their work and do it really, really well. So that's that's my little thing. That's what I wanted to oh, go for. I love that. That's so exciting. There is mm. there is positives in the future of work. Yes, there is definitely. there is positives in all of this. You know this this work that we're doing. I would just you know if you make efficiencies, don't fill it. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Keep the space. Love it. Love oh. it. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Um, I'm not going to get off my soapbox. Prioritization as an organization is super critical. um, And it will help you create the thriving organization, create happiness at work. You know, all the things that Jenny and I talk about all the time. Um, So we'd love to hear, how do you prioritize? How does your organization prioritize? Or how do they not prioritize? Uh, What would you like to see them do? Um, Join the conversation and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. We hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we did recording it. And you can always get involved in the well-being conversation at all of our social links in the show notes. Until next time, stay safe, stay happy and thrive in whatever you do.